welcome to the podcast for St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church, a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith where our mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ. It was a couple of months ago that I was standing right here on this platform and I was speaking to our youth on a Wednesday night. I've been able to work with the youth for the last 18 months and I have just loved every minute of it. And we were in a series at that time where we were looking at the things that Jesus did and some of the miracles that he performed. And one of the things that we were talking about was when Jesus fed the 5,000. So if you don't remember the story, Jesus was speaking to a large crowd of people. There was not enough food to feed them all. And he was brought a couple of loaves of bread and some fish and some things like that. And he gave thanks to God and God multiplied the food and everybody was filled until they were full. And then there were baskets full of food left over. So that night, I had planned to speak to the youth about that particular story. And I remember standing at the back of the worship center before I walked down to speak to them, and I knew that an illustration I was going to use had some great potential. You see, I have this favorite can of hairspray, a favorite brand that I love that is fabulous, that works perfectly with my hair. Women, do I have a witness on that? And this can of hairspray, this particular brand, I ran out of and couldn't find another one. I looked on Amazon, I looked at Walmart, I looked at Target, I looked at everywhere you could possibly look and there was no availability of this brand of hairspray. I was heartbroken. But I kept that can of hairspray in my cupboard because I was committed to the fact that at some point in the years to come, someone would decide that that was the best brand of hairspray ever and they would start to make it again. And I didn't want to forget what brand it was, so I kept it in my cupboard. Well, that week preparing for that message, I pulled that can of hairspray out of my cupboard and I thought, you know, it's interesting that Jesus gave thanks for the fish and the bread and then they multiplied. I wonder what would happen if I gave thanks for the hairspray. So standing there in my bathroom, looking in the mirror, I gave thanks for the hairspray. And then I decided to spray the hairspray, and hairspray came out of the can. Hairspray came out of the can, the empty can. So I was going to use that as an illustration for the students to say, God wants us to give thanks. And sometimes we've got to focus on the things in our lives that we don't have, give thanks for what we do have, and God will multiply that in our lives. But as I'm standing at the back of the worship center, and I'm getting ready to tell the story, I said to God, wouldn't it be great if you multiplied that hairspray just one more time? That maybe it wasn't just a story I could tell, but it was something that they could see with their own eyes. Because you see what had happened right before I was standing back there, when we had all gathered up front and the students were up here and the music was playing and we were having fun and we were being silly, somebody got a hold of the can of hairspray that I had left right there. And they started to play with it, and they started to spray it. Well, there was nothing left in the hairspray can. So we were spraying it in our faces, and only air was coming out of the hairspray can. So they knew from experience that there was nothing left in the can of hairspray. So as I'm standing back there and I'm praying to God, I said, God, would you do it just one more time? Would you just let them see? And I remember the terror in my heart as I was standing back there. And I'm not exaggerating. I was terrified that if I tried it, if I said, standing up here in front of this large group of students, if I said, God, I'm going to give thanks for this hairspray, would you multiply this hairspray? And then I sprayed it and nothing happened. 
what would they think of God? So, feeling terror in the back of the worship center, the song ended and I came forward and I began the message. And sure enough, I got to the point in the message where I picked up the can of hairspray that they knew was empty because we'd been playing with it ahead of time. And I said, thank you, God, for this hairspray. And I popped off the can, and I held my finger down on the sprayer. And to all of our amazement, a huge cloud of hairspray came out of the can. Not just like little drops like somebody spit, but a huge cloud of hairspray. I can still see it right here because as the light was shining on it, this huge cloud of hairspray just floats into the air. And I looked at the students and they all went like this. <laughs> and then I thought, well, let's just try it again. We sprayed it again and a huge cloud of hairspray came out of the can. Now, I'm not going to lie. In that moment, I thought, oh, no, I just wasted all that hairspray. I wanted to jump into the hairspray <laughs> so that it could catch my head. <laughs> but what an amazing night that was for the students to see what God can do, for me to step out of a comfort zone that I had known all too well, to give God a chance to do what only he can do. But you see, sometimes our thoughts about who God is and what he can do get in the way of who God is and what he can do. Your thoughts can play tricks on you. Your thoughts can lead you down a path that is not truthful. Your thoughts have power. And so today, we are going to look at how God wants us to think so that it can open doors for God to do what only God can do. Would you pray with me? God, we love the fact that you are here in this place, and most of all, we love the sound of your voice. So we pray that you would speak to us, that our hearts and our minds, our very spirits would be changed by who you are. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray, and everyone said, amen. So we're in a series called New Creation. We're looking at a passage from 2 Corinthians where Paul is talking to the Corinthians about what it means to be made new in Christ. We've talked about the fact that it, what is unseen is important, that some people look at spectacular ministry as a sign of God when really it's about having a sincere heart. We looked at the fact that sometimes we as Christians may seem crazy to the outside world, but if we're crazy, it's for God's glory. And then we talked about the fact that it's so important for Christ's love to control us. That is what is to motivate us in everything that we do. And then last week, we talked about what it means to live for Christ, not to live for ourselves. And so this week, we continue in the scripture passage, and we will begin, it helps when you start in the right book, we will begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And you can read along with me on the screen. We're starting in verse 15. 
And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as Paul is saying to us, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. We no longer look at people from a human perspective. In essence, Paul is telling us, quit thinking like a human. Well, I don't know about you, but that kind of terrifies me when I think about the fact that I'm not supposed to be thinking like a human because I only know how to think like a human. How about you? But if we are to stop thinking like humans, if we are, when we look at the outside world, when I look at you and when you look at me, I am not to regard you from a human perspective any longer. Christ has made us new, and so we look at people from that new way of thinking. But that's hard when we've never done that before. One of my favorite pastors tells a story of a time when he was getting ready to speak and he was at a conference and he happened to be worshiping with the group ahead of his speaking and he was standing in the row of people and there was a woman behind him who was singing at the top of her lungs. Talk about trying to make a joyful noise. And this pastor said as he was standing there and he was worshiping, it was really distracting. He was really frustrated with her for being so loud and overbearing and singing in a way that was just distracting him from being able to worship God. How dare someone do that, right? And he said as he did that, he just stood there and became more and more annoyed and more and more frustrated. And the man that was standing next to him leaned over to him and said, isn't that just beautiful? And the pastor looked at him and he said, And the man said, well, that's because you don't know her story. She was a prostitute, and Christ saved her. She's been completely converted. Her life has been completely turned around. Every time she comes to worship with us, that's what she does. She sings at the top of her lungs as if she's being saved for the very first time. And the pastor said it completely changed his perspective. Now he was no longer annoyed with her or frustrated, but he actually found himself feeling a little guilty that he wasn't singing with the same kind of passion. Paul is asking us to no longer look at people from a human point of view. When we give our lives to Christ and when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, it should change the way that we think. No longer should we look at people from a human perspective. No longer should we look at them from a frustrated and annoyed stance. Because that person that we are looking at is also a child of God. That person that we are looking at is our brother or our sister. So we no longer have the right to look at them like a human. We have to change the way that we think. The old is gone, the new has come. And because God knows how much power our thoughts have, he wants us to think in a new way. 
One of the best illustrations that I can think of in the Bible about thinking a new way is when Jesus had just fed the 4,000. He had just taken a few loaves of bread and some fish, and he had multiplied that and fed 4,000 people. And then he'd gotten in a boat with his disciples, and they had gone to a place where there were several Pharisees, teachers of the law, people that were stuck in their religion. And they got out of the boat, and the Pharisees immediately approached Jesus and the disciples, and they began demanding a sign from Jesus. If you truly are the Son of God, we want a sign. If you are who you say you are, then we want a sign. And Jesus, who had just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread, is standing in the midst of these religious people demanding a sign. And he says to them, you will not get a sign. He said he was fed up with the generation and that they would not receive a sign. Then... Jesus gets back in the boat with his disciples. They sail back across the sea. And while they're in the boat, Jesus says to the disciples, be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. So Jesus is trying to use this illustration where the disciples have just come from seeing him feed thousands of people with a very small amount of bread. And then they've run into the Pharisees who are demanding a sign and Jesus is trying to take this and help the disciples learn a lesson about how to think. So he says, watch out for the yeast, he's using an object lesson, the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. The yeast of the people that are so concerned with religion they can't see God. And the yeast of the people, Herod, who are so entrenched in the culture that they can't see God. Watch out for the yeast, right? The thing that is so small that you can't really see it, but it works its way into everything and affects everything that you do. It's a beautiful lesson. But you want to know what the disciples were thinking? In Luke, Luke tells us that the disciples look at each other after Jesus says this beautiful statement, and they say, I think it's because to you see, they'd only brought one loaf of bread with them. They had all this bread left over from the miracle that Jesus had just performed, but they'd only brought one loaf of bread into the boat. And so they're thinking that Jesus makes this statement because of the fact that they didn't bring all the bread back. What a crazy way of thinking. And Jesus says to them, why do you reason that you have no bread. So picture it for just a moment. Jesus says this amazing statement, this statement that really we should all take to heart. Do not yet let the yeast of religion or culture work its way into you. Be careful about that. And the, and the disciples look at each other and say, I think he's upset that we don't have any bread in the boat. And then Jesus says, why do you reason that you have no bread? Why are you thinking about the fact that you have no bread? So herein lies the first lesson about how we think. A lot of times when we think like a human, we are focused on the wrong thing. The disciples were not at all concerned with the deep spiritual truth that Jesus was trying to portray. They were worried about the superficial problem, the surface problem. I don't have enough bread. Why would they reason that they don't have enough bread? Jesus had just provided more bread than they could ever need. 
Did they think he couldn't do it again? But that's the problem when we think like a human, is we focus on the wrong thing. The disciples were focused on the bread. Jesus was focused on their hearts. So when you are working into this new creation that God has made you to be, and you are taking seriously this call to quit thinking like a human, then the first thing you have to do is figure out what are you focused on? Because most of the time as humans, we are focused on the wrong thing. Many of you know that I have martial arts training. When I was 15, I decided to begin taking martial arts. I studied a form called kujitsu, which is a warrior form of martial arts, which which basically means that we don't compete in sports. There are sport forms, there are warrior forms. This was a warrior form. So I worked my way through to black belt, and the training that this provided was something so good because it affected the way that I think. Because martial arts is mostly about thought. You think that it's about your physical training, but it's mostly about what happens up here. And as you move forward in the belts, especially as you get into different degrees of black belt, it really becomes about your thinking. And one of the things that my trainer would tell me was that when we were sparring, or if you ever found yourself in when someone was attacking you, the best thing to do is never to look at their eyes. If you are going to defend yourself, the best thing to do is to look at the line that connects their shoulders. So instead of focusing on their eyes, which can distract you, you look to the line that is their shoulders. Because if you think about this, if someone is standing across from you and you're looking at their shoulders, you can see in your peripheral vision their entire body. So you can tell if they're about ready to kick you because you can see in your peripheral vision their legs and their feet. You can also see in your peripheral vision, if you're looking at the line of their shoulders, what their arms are doing. So you can tell if they're going to strike you. If you're looking at their eyes, though, they can distract you. It's all about what you're focusing on. But the interesting thing is with martial arts is the more you progress and the more you mature in your training, then once you get further along in your degrees of black belt, the trainer tells you, now it's time for you to look at their eyes. Because you've been trained enough to sense what their body is going to do. It is in their eyes that you can tell what they intend. But sometimes we're not ready for that. So we continue to look at the line of their shoulders. Just like in martial arts, that it's important for you to focus on the right thing so that you can defend yourself, the same is true of our lives as humans. So many times when we think like a human, we're focused on the wrong thing. Jesus was trying to impart knowledge and truth and wisdom to them, and they were focused on their lack of bread. So in your life, where is it that you are focusing your thoughts? Is it on a place that God says, this is where I want you to focus, this is what I want you to think about? Or is it in a completely different area? Is God asking you to shift the way that you are thinking so that you stop thinking like a human and you think the way that God thinks? Now some of you may say, whoa, I don't know. I don't know if as a human I can think the way God thinks. Yes, you can. That's what the infilling of the Holy Spirit does for us. It helps us to think as God thinks. And in order to do that, one of the first steps is that we have to focus on the right thing. 
So then the story continues. Jesus says to the disciples, why do you reason that you have no bread? Why are you thinking about the fact that you have no bread? And then he says, do you not see or understand? And then he asks, are your hearts hardened? Are your hearts hardened? That's a big question. If I were the disciples, I would have been thinking, no, my stomach is just hungry. (laughs) I just want some bread. Are your hearts hardened? See, a lot of times when we think like a human, we allow a hardened heart to guide our thoughts. Now, hardened hearts usually come from difficult situations. Think about that in your life. If you've ever experienced a time when your heart was hardened towards someone or something, it usually comes on slowly. A hardened heart takes time to harden. And a lot of times when our hearts become hardened, that first step is a situation where we've either been hurt where we've been lied about, where we've been stabbed in the back. Something has happened, a situation that causes our heart to begin to build a wall around itself. And the reason we build our wall around our heart is to protect our heart. Because our heart is a fragile thing, isn't it? Both physically and emotionally. And when someone begins to hurt that heart, our natural tendency is to build up something to protect it. And then our hearts become hardened, and then we think more like a human. It's so sad when we allow that to happen, because then we begin to look at others in a cynical way. We begin to see other people, other children of God, in such a way that that we don't like them anymore. We don't like what they say. We don't like their attitude. We make excuses about why we don't need to like them anymore. When God has asked us to allow our hearts to be softened, because if we are going to think like God, then we have to think from a softened heart. God's heart does not harden towards us, and he has every reason for it to. Because humans hurt him time and time again. He would have every reason to build a wall around his heart, but he chooses not to. And if we're going to think like God, then we have to do the same thing. We have to allow God to be the one to protect us and to realize that even when we get hurt, that's not always bad. But it's hard to take those walls down and to allow our hearts to beat again. Because when your heart becomes so hardened, the problem with that is that it stops beating. It stops giving life to you. When you're emotional state has become so hurt and you've hardened it so much that you decide you're no longer going to feel and you're no longer going to love and you're no longer going to give because it just hurts too much, then that stops life to your spirit. There was a man who was a thrill seeker. He loved to zip line, he loved to jump off cliffs, he loved to jump out of airplanes, he would do anything that he could to have fun and to to seek a thrilling experience. But one of the things that was on his bucket list was he wanted to witness a surgery. And he had a friend who was a heart surgeon, and so he was able to talk this heart surgeon into allowing him to come in and watch a heart surgery. And the man said he kind of stood in the back, he was all done up and scrubbed up. 
But he stood back and he watched. He watched the team of surgeons and he watched the team of nurses and doctors work on this person's heart. And the heart surgery that took place was pretty serious. He said he stood back and he watched them open the chest cavity and then the surgeon actually had to remove the heart to fix the problem. And then he put the heart back into the chest cavity. They attached everything that they needed to. And normally when this happens, you can massage the heart and it begins to beat again. But the man said as he was watching his friend do this, the man began to massage the heart, but the heart wouldn't start again. So he massaged it again and then he stepped back and the heart would not beat. And the man who was watching said, I was standing there thinking, I may witness this woman dying on the table. But he was amazed at how calm the surgeon was. And when the surgeon realized that what should have worked wasn't working, the surgeon went over to the ear of the woman lying on the table. And he bent down and he said to her, Mrs. Johnson, the heart surgery has gone very well. The problem has been fixed. Now you need to tell your heart to beat again. And in that moment, as everyone is holding their breath and they're waiting to see what will happen, her heart began to beat again. You may be in that position today. You may have not known that you were thinking from a hardened heart. But when you think from a hardened heart, you're not open to the miracles that God wants to do in your life. God will help you soften your heart. But you have to tell your heart to beat again. You have to step in to that life of being a new creation to say, even though I've been hurt, even though I'm going to risk being hurt again, I will love. And I will love the way that God loves. I will think the way that God thinks. It's your choice. God cannot do that for you. So Jesus said to them, are your hearts hardened? And then he said, do you have eyes but can't see? Do you have ears but you can't hear? Have you ever felt like God has said that to you? I know he has to me. (laughs) Can you see? Nope. (laughs) I do not get it, God. Well, can you hear? No, I am not getting it. But then he asks one last question. A question that helps us to think like God. And he says, can you remember? Because in the times in our lives when we can't see, you just can't see what he's doing. That's okay. And there are times when you just can't hear. He feels silent and you wonder what he's doing. That's okay. But the last question he asks is something we all can do. Can you remember? This question was so important to the disciples in this moment because they had just come from a place where they saw a miracle. Jesus said to them, when we had seven loaves of bread and fed 4,000 people, how many basketfuls did we get back? And they said, seven. And then he said, when we fed 
5,000 people with five loaves of bread. How many basketfuls did we get back? And they said, 12. Can you remember? If you want to think like God, and you're in a situation where you just feel like you don't know how to do that, you don't know how to stop thinking like a human and begin thinking like God, then maybe it's time to go back and remember. Do you remember? Do you remember a man named Abram who was worshiping multiple gods and God plucked him out of that situation and said, you're going to be my people and I want you to go to this land and I'm going to give you land and I'm going to bless you. Do you remember? Do you remember the man named Moses, the baby in a basket who was saved so that he could save a people? Do you remember that he stuttered and he didn't know what he was going to do and God said, I will be with you? Do you remember the plagues that were spared from the people that God said, you're my own? Do you remember the parting of the sea? Do you remember that? Because that is your history. That's my history. We are a part of that family. Do you remember Do you remember the king who was a shepherd boy who killed a giant through the power of God? Do you remember? Do you remember a girl who everyone thought was insignificant and God said, I favor you? You're going to carry the son of the world, the son son who will save the world? Do you remember? Do you remember the greatest missionary of all time who was the greatest persecutor of all time? The one who wrote the letter we read today? Do you remember the one who came back to life to save your soul? Maybe you can't see and maybe you can't hear, but you can remember. And God says to me, do you remember when the doctor said your mom was going to die of lung cancer and then it came back that there was no cancer, do you remember? Do you remember when you prayed for a husband that you didn't know and I gave him to you, do you remember? Do you remember when your daughter was plagued with anxiety and you thought she would never live a normal life and now she lives a life that honors me, do you remember? God has those questions for you too in your life. And if we are going to think like God and stop thinking like a human, we have to go back and remember. Because then in that moment, we see that we have a God who can do anything. A God that can feed people, a God that can save people, a God that can raise people from the dead. Nothing is impossible for him. We have a God who even cares about hairspray. God is telling us today, quit thinking like a human. You're a new creation. Your thoughts will become new because your thoughts are important. They put you on a trajectory that puts you on a path of life that I want you to be on. Your thoughts are important. So think like God. Stop focusing on the wrong thing. Put your eyes where they need to be so that you can focus on what I want you to focus on. If your heart is hardened, 
but let me soften it and tell it to be again, love again, give again, be the person God wants you to be again. And if you still find yourself in that place where it's just too hard to see and it's too hard to hear, then remember, remember who God is, remember what he's done in your life, and then look towards the future because he has a great life for you as a new creation in Christ. Let us pray.